When I came home from vacation this week, I went to the post office to pick up my mail. The clerk went out and brought back his box and set it in front of me. And, and then she leaned over the counter and she said to me, Will you pray for me? And I said, Of course. For what would you like me to pray? Well, she said it's a long story, but and being so busy here, it's the working conditions. And she looked very distraught. A couple days later, I was here at church, and I was to meet with staff members and Near the room, I could hear the laughter. And so I walked into the room and I said, This is a, a hilarious group. Um, I'm glad to hear it. What, what's the occasion? And one of them said, You are. <laughs> well, now you can take that in one of many ways. <laughs> but you know, some people have an idea that that in the church, that's the way it ought to be. You know, we're all serving the Lord, and we're compatible, we're a team, and we're all happy with what we're doing. This is our calling. But out there in the real world, like at a post office, that's another matter. And, and, and that's where the real pain is. And we accept that. I don't believe it should. I think we've missed something. And so I'd like to speak to you this morning about work. We're very concerned with it. We hear it from our political leaders, read about it in the press every day, the media discusses it constantly. What about work? My text comes from the Epistle to the Colossians, where we read in chapter 3, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It is the Lord Christ you serve. And I would like to see how practical that text really is in today's world. Many of us believe in the Bible. And many Christians have read the first part of the Bible in a wrong way, and many in our culture have understood it in the wrong way for many years. They think that when Adam and Eve fell at the beginning and God punished them, he made them work. And so work is somehow connected with the evil of the world, the problems in the world. And when we were an affront to God as human beings, we pay the price by working. And that is simply not true. Work is not the result of sin and evil. For God himself was a worker. 
He was busy with creation. And Jesus said the Father works. If you look in the Bible of all the religious books, the Bible is the book that always connects the word of God with a verb. He's an active God, a God of action who does things. He doesn't just talk or theorize. And notice this the next time you read the scripture. God created the heavens and the earth. Begins right in the first verse. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament says that work is a gift of God. And so in the, in the garden, before there was any fall or any evil in the world, God said to human beings, those two first people, you are to subdue the earth. You are to dress and keep the garden. You are to name the animals. This is your world under me. You are good stewards. We will talk together about this and work together to make of this world a fulfillment of all of its potential. And it was a beautiful world and a beautiful relationship, but it contained work just as God worked. There's nothing wrong with work, but what happened was that when those two human beings, our first parents, fell into their, their sin and, and into their resistance and rejection of the authority of God, they were subject to a judgment, a discipline, a punishment, which brought toil to the world and weeds grew. Thorns and thistles, we read, began to obstruct the joy of their work and the, the ease with which they could plant and harvest. And when man and, and the creature fell, all of creation fell. It isn't only the human heart that became corrupt. This world became corrupt. And so the judgment was, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to do your work. And let it remind you of the kind of world this is because you've rejected God and his will. And work in itself has never been bad. But work in the context of a, of a sinful environment like ours is, is effort and energy and concentration, and fatigue. So we understand that in this world, we are to work in a little different context than we will work one day when there's a new heaven and a new earth restored. But work we must. And because work is in, in essence good, we Christians can see beyond all of the pitfalls on the way to the purpose of it, and we become co-workers with God, as Scripture says. Martin Luther saw this in the 16th century, and he wrote about our work not only being a responsibility and difficult, but by being a vocation, as he called it, a, 
a calling of God. It is something that is sacred. And there is no work that is so small that it is not important to God. There is no worker who has no value in the eyes of God. There is none who rises above any other. When John Calvin came to talk about that parable of the talents, where one received five, another two, another one, it wasn't because the one who received one was any worse or any better than the one who received five. It's what he did with that talent. God was concerned with that. So he reprimanded the servant because that servant did not use that talent. Calvin calls it negotiara, the word for negotiations. He didn't negotiate with his talent. He didn't duplicate it. He didn't develop it. And the man with five talents did, but he was no better than the man with two or with one. The gifts and callings of God are distributed by him. That equality of importance and value is always recognized in the word. And so the laborer or the leader, the follower or the creator, all in the world of economic environment go on to work each day as equals. Because we work with all our hearts, says Paul, it is Christ Jesus whom we serve. We work in the context of prayer, that is, of an awareness of the presence of God in our lives. We are first of all accountable him. And with that context, work is a joy. Now that's not exactly the way it is in the real world today, is it? We have some other things going on that bother us. We have become a frustrated people with the system of which we are a part. Rewards for work are not on the basis of that kind of accountability of which we read in the scripture. It seems that, that God is not there anymore. We've put him out of the marketplace. We don't discuss this. So what has happened is quite different from what happens among Christians. A couple of illustrations should suffice. Report on general dynamics for 1990. They lost $500 million that year and 27,000 employees lost their jobs. But the chief executive officer who ran all of this, William Anders, received $800,000 in salary and $4 million in stock options as a reward. And not one worker received a raise. 
while many of them lost their, their jobs. Same year, 1990, United Airlines. Profits were down 71%. The flight attendants hadn't had a raise in four years, and there certainly wasn't one that year. But Stephen Wolf, who was the CEO of the company and led the company through all this, was paid $18.3 million that year in salary and bonuses and stock options. And Forbes magazine that reported this says it doesn't make sense. This is while Ivan Boski was speaking to the students at Berkeley in California and said to them, greed is healthy. Well, a few eyebrows were raised at the time. Since then, things have gone on. And in the September 9, 1996 copy of Forbes magazine, and the cover is the feature article, Piracy. Can you stop it in the digital age? And the likes of Odd Jacob have gone international with such piracy. And he maintains a public company where people like you and like me can invest their money in his stock. And if you read the report of the company, it's beautiful. But what he's done, he's pushed all of the negatives off into shell companies on the side so that the load that this company carries in its indebtedness isn't registered at all in the reports. And the company looks beautiful. And this feature article of Forbes says it's only a matter of time, but it's inevitable. The whole thing will collapse and everybody will lose everything except this man who is manipulating this for himself. But what can we do about it, they say. Well, the workers have watched this. We've all watched it. And as a result, many people have become disenchanted who do you trust? Who cares for you? Why go to work? The Harris Poll says that 63% of workers aren't working as hard as they did 10 years ago. 78% of them don't have pride in the work that they had 10 years ago. 69% think that the workmanship is inferior today. And 73% say they're far less motivated. And then a Gallup poll was done for the Chamber of Commerce in Washington, and it says that there's only 16% of our workforce that is doing the best they know how. And the other 84% responded that it doesn't pay to work hard and do better. Because the reasons for work today 
our economic gain. And when you don't get it for working harder, why try? Distrust, cynicism, pessimism, goals of pure material things quite apart from the recognition of any God in heaven at all. There is no other reason to work but to get money, to feed on each other with greed, to prey on each other's weaknesses. When I know more than you do, I can play the game better and I'll mountain my wealth in front of you. And I can buy my way through anything. Some people pray together and move together through life with an awareness of the presence of God, and some people pray together and exploit each other. And these two things are causing us dis-ease in our society and in our own hearts and lives. But there is there's a Christian message. It's the message for you, for me. And it's the way we ought to be moving in our workplace. It's for leaders, it's for followers, workers, professionals. Several years ago, One of our own members, James Beret, and I were talking about some of the things going on. But he recognized these these things in our society, and so he was among the first to appoint a committee from his his Board Warner Corporation of 40,000 employees. Representatives across the board came and sat down week after week to hammer out a statement of purpose of values, of intention, the the mission of of a corporate structure. And afterward, there have been many who have come that I've come acquainted with. Brunswick Corporation, Service Master, Herman Miller, Fieldstone, many that you could name, Christian leadership, that has sat down with corporate structures and said, we need to put on paper who we are and why we're here. And out of this have come at least four things. As I've read across these statements, there are four of them that keep surfacing. The first one is that workers are persons of value. And in the corporate structure, they should be listened to and cared about and for. They should have some idea that there are those in the structure that are concerned for them. That is the right thing to do. Secondly, let us create an environment of teamwork and of trust 
We're all working for the same thing. There is no such thing as a boss anymore. There is a leader. There's someone who who shoulders the responsibility of seeing to the direction and the disciplines of of an institutional structure, but there's no one exploiting it. We have no intention. We're a team. We share a vision. We share work. And no one gains when the other one does not, and we all gain when anyone gains. Thirdly, we help people grow as individuals to achieve the potential of which they are capable, and we will use the resources as much as possible to give them that kind of an opportunity. Finally, We will pursue excellence. We will work with all our hearts at whatever we attempt. And if it's worth doing it all, it's worth doing well. We follow in the steps of the Master who came not to doodle with redemption, but to achieve it. And not to redeem us partially, but completely. And our God, who created such a marvelous universe that we can depend on, and who is a person who always is faithful. So in our work, we will pursue excellence. Now imagine what a revolution we would have in this nation and in the world if this was the thinking And if this was the way our world was moving. Friends, our Christian faith isn't a narrow little redemptive process to see we get to heaven. This is a redemption that includes everything in our lives, including that with which we spend most of our energies, our work. God is there. He's a purpose for us. He calls us to it. It is not evil. Yes, we're in a world of sin. Yes, we're going to have burdens to bear. Depend on it. That's the world we're in. Yes, there's wildness in the field. There's wildness in our bodies. Cardinal Bernadine just found that out. And when wild cells are in the body, or when weeds are growing in the ground, or whatever there is that confronts us, we're reminded of our mortality. That is no reason why we slow down in giving to the purposes for which we've been placed here, and why we give as long as God gives us an opportunity. A wonderful thing, wouldn't it, if if everybody talking about the economic problems would begin to talk about human spiritual problems of real spiritual beings who are involved, who need a purpose, and who need justice. And all who have something deep within themselves that is a hollow place to be filled only by an awareness of the Creator.
And the joy of being a Christian is to bring the message. Where do you work, my friend? Whether you're an employee or an employer, think of the possibilities where you are. And have the courage to say, respect the truths that have been tried and are rooted deeply in God's gift to us. Let us work with all our hearts at what God gives us to do. For it is Christ Jesus we serve. Let us pray. Lord God, give us a vision of what could happen if all of those of us who confess your name would speak a bit louder and not leave our theology in the church but bring it along to the marketplace and live it. We pray bless us in coming days with good judgment and with the ability to take advantage of every opportunity to be what we ought to be. And may we do our work well, be an example, and help others to find hope and purpose in life. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.